Good morning. Welcome back to the program. F. Scott Fitzgerald in The Great Gatsby defines personality as an unbroken series of successful gestures. Certainly that is its outer manifestation. But science, brain research, cutting-edge psychology all tell us that it's part of a much more complex overall system a system that shapes our lives, our identities, and our emotions, and that the way in which we understand ourselves and our own personalities shapes how we view and interact with others. Altogether, it's a kind of personal intelligence. We're going to talk about that today with my guest, John D. Mayer. He's a professor of psychology at the University of New Hampshire and a key innovator in intelligence research. He's lectured around the world. His work has appeared in the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the New Republic. It is my pleasure to welcome John D. Mayer here to talk about personal intelligence, the power of personality, and how it shapes our lives. John, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. One of the things that seems clear in understanding this idea of personal intelligence is this notion that the degree to which we see ourselves, the degree to which we understand ourselves and our own personality, is really a fundamental aspect of how we look out onto the world and how we understand the personality of others. Talk a little about that first. Yes, one of the universals, I think, of, of, being, a hum- uh, of being human is, is that we share personalities. Of course, we, we have our own personality, but we share the state of possessing a personality with every other human being. Everybody has a, human, has a personality, and those personalities are, uh, follow certain rules and if we understand some of those general rules, well, then we can apply them not only to other people, but to ourselves as well. And the, the idea of understanding how it applies to ourselves, is that something that evolves at, at a certain age or a certain time? What do we understand about that? From very, very young ages, uh, kids begin to understand about personality, but they don't understand it all that well. So... Starting around three years of age, well, or before three years of age, kids and parents have, have conversations about mental states, like, what is it that you want? Or, what are you thinking today? Or, how are you feeling? And parents who talk with kids like that uh, help their kids understand um, how the workings of the mind and begin to understand personality. But at the same time, we know that children have uh, considerable it takes them a little while to kind of catch up and find out the ways that personality works. So, for example, if you ask a child, who knows what you would like best as a gift, they might say, uh, the child might say, my mom um, or a neighbor, and they don't understand that they also might know what they would like. To what extent is there a lot of similarity in terms of these these traits in individuals? And to what extent are, is there really a broad, broad spectrum of different aspects of personality? Well, you know, I think one of the fun things uh, for me about studying personality, uh, and also one of the challenging things, is there's so many parts and aspects to it. So there, uh, I once uh, wrote an article in which I went through various textbooks in the field and discovered that 400 parts of personality are commonly discussed across those, across those texts. So I think we share a lot of them in common. And the closer, I mean, we don't, we don't like to think of ourselves this way. I don't like to think of myself this way, but the closer we are to average, the more we share in common with other people. 
And uh, but some people are also very different, and so they may have pieces of those same parts, um, but they may they may uh, be rather different from other people as well. And I think one of the tricks in learning about ourselves is to understand places where we are different, which other people are often not too reluctant to tell us, <laughs> and uh, also where we're the same, where we usually don't hear about it. Do individuals that are more different in terms of their personality, those that are more fur- those that are further away from the norm, do they have greater skills in understanding other personalities and problem-solving skills and the ability to interact with those personalities? I think it depends how a person varies from the norm. If they're higher in, in uh, personal intelligence, and we have scales that we've developed to uh, begin to measure that ability. Um, if they're higher in personal intelligence, then they seem better to under- then they seem to be able to better understand the people around them. Um, but it's possible for a person to be rather different from usual and not be so aware of that. Um, although I think it actually isn't it most common for us to think that we are unique. So maybe I should say that we we all tend to think that we're unique. I think the issue is more realizing how similar we can be in certain places too. Talk a little bit about those parts of the system, those elements that really are the key parts of defining that personality, that intelligence. So I I think there are uh, four areas of problem solving that people who are high in this skill uh, engage in. And the first one is to identify clues to personality that are around both themselves and other people. So, for example, while, while you and I are talking, this is the first time that we've spoken together, and uh, as we're speaking, we're naturally trying to gauge, uh, feel one another out in terms of what, uh, what kind of people we are. Um, are we friendly? Uh, are we accepting? Uh, are we intellectual? Are we interested in things? And um, then we adjust our behavior accordingly. And the clues to that are things like uh, voice tone, uh, particularly on the phone, um, the things, the objects that may be around us and so forth. Um, The second area I think that we uh, problem solve in a great deal is, or or is what we, or rather the next step is what we do with that information. Um, So here, we pull those clues together and we form a model of the other, a mental model of the other person. So I can't know who you are. Um, I can only approximate who you are in some uh, imaginary form in my head. And there's going to, but there's a question as to how accurate is my model of another person. Sometimes it's going to be real accurate. Sometimes it's going to be not accurate at all. And some people are better at building these models of other people than others. And then the third area, there are four areas. Um, the third area uh, is, to under, is also to uh, be able to access information about your own personality and, allow, and use that to make better decisions in your life. So knowing that you're um, sort of outgoing, feeling as if uh, sales might be an, a job that you might enjoy doing because you need to meet a lot of people uh, when you do that. And then finally, the fourth area, is to be able to use that information to start to start systematizing your life, to start looking at your life and saying, how do I want to live that's consistent with my values and my goals and my personality? Um, and what kinds of plans can I put into place 
uh, that might enhance my own ability to contribute to the world and ability to get along with other people. What do we learn from looking at the people that are particularly skilled at this? Politicians, for example, that can walk into a room and pretty quickly read the situation. Talk a little about that. Well, I love your I love your idea of uh, politicians as being high in this. You know, I'm not sure. I, I think that 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 you may have hit here on a boundary between personal intelligence and social intelligence, where I think people who are really good at reading a room, that's a social gathering. And I think politicians, many politicians may be really, really good at this. Um, I'm not sure about the personal intelligence levels of politicians, although I'm willing to grant that some may be very, very high in it. Um, But I suspect others less so. Talk about where those two skills diverge. Well, they might diverge in reading a room um, because people, uh, we, we know, for example, that uh, introverts, and, and there are some other factors that go, that go into this, which are kind of interesting to me. I tend to be uh, uh, more on the introverted and shy side. And so one line of research that I've been very interested in is introverts and shy people are, fair, are not very good at reading rooms, even if they're very perceptive and even if they're high in um, skills like personal intelligence. They tend to be overwhelmed by those settings. But an extroverted politician can go in, and I suspect that they're using a lot of... uh, A room is a group of people. And so they're not necessarily looking at individual personalities in that instance, but they're looking at sort of the power balances that are going on, which, which people are sitting together and what kind of alliances have they formed and, and the like. Whereas somebody who's a politician who might be high in personal intelligence um, would be able to uh, work around the edges and talk to people individually before the meeting, after the meeting, and understand what they want and try to negotiate with them so as to find some ground of compromise or some ground of influence um, so that they can influence and, and gather support for themselves. In that sense, personal intelligence is much more of a problem-solving skill, I suppose. Uh, there's a lot of... Uh, there's a, there are seem to be two angles at which to approach it. One is kind of an associative, reactive angle. So I see somebody and I have a first impression of them. And uh, that first impression, and, but then the problem solving kicks in. Is that impression that I formed of that person, is that right or wrong? What are the clues that I am uh, discerning about that person? And do I make mistakes uh, sometimes in whatever kind of reaction I have? Um, and so asking those sort of inquiring of ourselves, like how good at problem solving are we at this, um, I think uh, helps us to do that yeah, problem solving part of it. Um, do I really know that this person is, uh, really uh, likes me and is really competent, or are they just very confident and tend to flatter people? Um, how can I tell the difference between whether there are whether they really like me or whether they're flattering me. That's where the reasoning part of personal intelligence might come in. Right. I mean, and there seems to be this two sides of, of that, of what you're talking about, in that one is the, the emotional reaction based upon our own life experience. The other is the way we take that information and reason it through to some kind of a, a logical conclusion. Uh, I agree. I, I think you've hit it uh, exactly. I, I think that it's, it's an, in addition to, an, it is, there's a very powerful emotional resonance to it, 
And there's, but there's also a cognitive and motivational resonance. So when we respond to another person, uh, you know, have that first impression, um, yeah, we feel uh, like maybe I want to, maybe I like that person, or maybe I want to avoid that person. Um, and then, uh, but then we can sort of begin to dissect that reaction if we need to, uh, if it's important enough. We may be standing by somebody at a bus stop, have some reaction to them, and it doesn't really matter whether we're right or wrong. Or, that person may leave our lives uh, right away. But at other times, um, we really do want to understand another person. Uh, maybe we're looking for uh, a, a relationship. Maybe we're looking, maybe we have a problem with somebody at work. Uh, maybe it's somebody in our family. And in that instance, being able to say, hmm, well, what are they like? What, is their, what are their personalities like? And also, what am I like? And how am I tri- possibly triggering things in that person? Um, can be very, very helpful. How do we measure our skill at being able to do this? What are the markers by which we can create some kind of some kind of measurement? Well, with intelligence, with uh, with intelligences in general, people are not very good at knowing how good how how smart they are, and that's the case whether it's verbal intelligence or spatial intelligence or general intelligence or emotional intelligence and uh, results from our laboratory suggest even with personal intelligence, people don't know. Now, I can go out and I can read things that people, uh, public figures have written, for example, and I can say, whoa, that person's really insightful um, in, in terms of personality. I bet that person has personal intelligence. And I suspect that there's some uh, validity to that, uh, uh, to that observation. Uh, but if a person isn't exhibiting any personal intelligence, that doesn't necessarily mean they don't have it. So for us, the, for, for, uh, after I developed this theory, I invited a couple of colleagues to work with me um, on measuring personal intelligence, David Caruso and Abigail Panter of Yale University and University of North Carolina. And what we've done is to develop a test of personal intelligence where we uh, give specific test items to measure people's ability. If you'd like, I'm happy to give you an example of one of those. Please do. Okay, so say that, uh, say that I say that a woman is, uh, likes to be around people more than she likes to be alone, and she's rather talkative. What other quality is that woman likely to have? A, uh, be prone to anxiety and insecure, or B, uh, be energetic and lively. And so the, the trick here is to know, is to have noticed through your life which traits tend to co-vary, which aspects of personality tend to co-vary. And people who are higher in personal intelligence will understand or take a guess because everything is probabilistic and they'll, they'll usually guess B, that liveliness and, and energy level goes along with talkativeness and the desire to be around people, and that, and that would be the correct answer in that instance. Talk a little bit about the degree to which any of these traits can be measured really with accuracy. I mean, from the work that you've done in developing these tests, how accurate is the measurement? Well, um, there are two uh, fundamental criteria for, for measurement. One is uh, the, the accuracy measurement in terms of how reliable and consistent is the score, and that's called test reliability. Um, and in, and in that, in, we, can get, we can develop fairly reliable tests in this area, um, but they take a lot of items. So 
So if you got that one item wrong, I just gave you about the talkative woman. Uh, don't fret because it usually <laughs> takes us about 80 to 120 items to get an accurate measure of a person's skill in this area. And then the other area, then the other issue is whether the test measures what it's supposed to. That is, are we really measuring personal intelligence? That's a, 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 a very interesting uh, uh, philosophical argument you can have around a test. We, we believe our test uh, does measure personal intelligence very well. How do we understand this through the lens of, of evolution, of biological evolution, of neurobiological evolution, and, and psychology? I think that one, one of the issues in terms of sort of creating this theory of personal intelligence is why should we have one? Um, and I kind of felt like I had a conflict of interest when I started because I'm, I'm a personality psychologist. So why wouldn't I make up an intelligence about personality, right? Um, that's, uh, that's my life work is studying uh, uh, personality. But as I began to think about it more, I, there was uh, a bunch of evolutionary uh, writing in evolutionary psychology about the usefulness that must have uh, that our ancestors must have felt when they could evaluate one another in groups. And in fact, there's something called the social brain hypothesis, which says that uh, during our evolutionary past, human beings' social groups uh, grew to twice the size that of other primates and larger. And the only way that that could happen uh, was that those, those other primate groups, um, our, our uh, very distant ancestors, could groom one another uh, every single day. So every single day, everybody would see everybody else. But when these social groups became larger, people needed a way to talk about one another. And so they started to gossip. And I suggest in the theory of personal intelligence that that's one of the foundations for this intelligence, was that um, gossiping and keeping track of one another and learning about the different groups, about the different individuals that made up the group. What about the aspect of those that are good at this continuing to nurture and build on those skills? And, and we find that it's like a muscle that grows up, but there's also an evolutionary component to that as well, that those that are good at these skills tend to be more successful in certain respects in their lives. Yeah, I think um, if you sometimes I imagine uh, a life or, or my life as a series of decisions about people, and to simplify it, I sort of make kind of binary decisions, like who would be best to go out to lunch with today, or which of these two individuals would be best to work with as a colleague, or which of, since I'm a, a professor at the University of New Hampshire, I might think, which of these two students would be best to, to join my lab. And um, if we're better at doing, at making those kinds of decisions, well, we're we're never going to be perfect, and in fact, we're going to be part, even, I think, the best of us are going to be far from perfect. But if we can beat the odds just a little bit, you know, if we can do it just a little bit better than 50-50, if we can rise up to 55-45, 55% the right decisions, I think that over our lives that really can make a profound difference. What about with technology today in that we interact, we tend to interact with each other in a more disconnected way in many cases, which allows us to create a personality perhaps or, or a patina around ourselves that, that is lacking in a certain degree of authenticity. 
Well, that's that's a fascinating question. So, for example, do I have like a, a special persona when I text or when I mm-hmm. or when I answer my email that's different from who I am? Um, and it is kind of easier to control. At least I find that it's easier to control that um, online than it is perhaps in person sometimes. Um, so that is a really interesting question, and I don't know what the, what kind of impact that might have on our lives, ex- except that maybe if we play act being a little bit better than ourselves, maybe we would become a little bit better. But I'm I'm just guessing. Your guess is as good as mine. Right. And sometimes it may be a balancing act that in our relationships, for whatever reason, it may be work related, it may be personal relationship related, that we are forced to act a certain way or to develop a certain set of skills. And the anonymity of that other world gives us an opportunity to do things, to to exercise part of our psychological muscle that we don't ordinarily get to do. Right. I I mean, we can create an avatar of ourselves and, and, uh, invest it with various personality qualities we don't have and explore and see what that's like. And maybe that would help us improve the part of personality and part of the skills in personality, involved in personality are to carry out um, roles in an, in an effective way. Um, so, uh, well, uh, to be self-conscious about it for a second, I'm, I'm speaking with you on, on the radio, you're interviewing me. This is not my, you know, everyday role. Um, and so, but I'm hopeful that my personality is flexible enough so that I can carry out this role with you, uh, without this role with you during during the interview. And I think each of us is called upon um, to carry out roles that we may be unfamiliar with at times, and maybe playing some of those online uh, uh, games or taking on online personality personalities that are exclusively online may help us practice some of those roles. John D. Mayer. The book is Personal Intelligence, The Power of Personality and How It Shapes Our Lives. John, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have gotten to know you. Thank you. Bit. We'll take a break. I'll be right back.